Today I want to talk, as I said, about the naked truth. Today, we, last week we talked about empathy. This week we are going to talk about intimacy. 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 Would you pray with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you today that, God, you're going to be with us. And we ask that, God, you would speak to our hearts. God, right now, that you would help us in our relationships, in our marriages, in our homes. That, God, we would realize that there is a happily ever after. And that happily ever after is in you. But God, it requires us to do the right things also. And God, as we give the right tools today, God, I pray that you would just undertake in every way and you would speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Once upon a time, true intimacy just happened. In the Garden of Eden, there's a great story of that where we look and see Adam and Eve. They knew nothing of guilt. They knew nothing of embarrassment. They knew nothing of shame or any distance that they had in their relationship. There wasn't. Look what it says in Genesis 2 verse 25. A beautiful picture of their life, their marriage, their relationship together. It says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. The New Living Translation tags it this way, that neither of them felt any shame. I want you to say this with me. Can you say this with me? The intent of God for marriage. Say that again with me. The intent of God for marriage. What? That verse. That we would live together unashamed with no shame. But it did not take long for Satan to come and mess that up. Think for a moment about Adam and Eve in that shameless state. They weren't concerned with fashion. You know, Adam didn't turn to Eve and say, do vertical leaves make me look thinner? (laughs) Eve didn't turn to Adam and says, do these pants make my butt look fat? Come on, help me out in the house. They didn't have labels. There was no colors. There was no cuts. There was no styles. The Bible says they were naked. They were secure and they were unashamed. They could be completely open with each other, sharing true, complete intimacy. No guilt to hide. No fear of being caught or discovered. Just the naked truth. Imagine if we could be like that in our marriage. 
being just how God originally intended for us to be. That's his original design and his plan for marriage. And here's my challenge for you today. I didn't say your spouse. I didn't say those others. I said, here's my challenge for you today. You and I, we must do everything possible to deepen the level of intimacy with our spouse. We must do everything possible. Well, what about them? Let God deal with them. You do what you can do and let God handle the rest. Or I hear an amen. And it's really important when it comes to the success of our marriage is the subject of intimacy. And I know right now I'm speaking specifically to married couples, but everyone else, just stay with us today because we're going to cover principles again that's going to work for any type of relationship. But I'm telling you, it wouldn't do you any harm to be taking notes here too because one day you're going to need all of this. One day someone explained intimacy this way and I loved this. It says this, into me see. Intimacy. Notice that? Intimacy. Into me see. Know me more. And not just sexually. Intimacy is not just a sexual thing. It's getting to know each other. The dictionary says of intimacy, it's a close and and usually an affectionate or loving relationship with another person. A close, affectionate, loving relationship with another person. But unfortunately, many times when we talk about intimacy, come into me, see, that tends to be more scary than inviting for each one of us. But if I open up, then they're going to see my flaws. If I open up, what if they don't like what I am? I've had to put a mask. I've had to hide really what's going on. What if I'm not what they want? What if I have to be honest? How can all these things happen? I want to tell you right now that true intimacy is holding nothing back. It's holding nothing back. And don't be quick to say, oh, I can never do that. I could never, our home would never be like that. Because you and I have got to realize never is not in God's vocabulary. God's design for marriage was that we would be intimate with each other, have openness, honesty, no guilt and no shame. So when we say that can never happen, we have to question and ask, well, is God a liar? Did God make a mistake? If he made marriage like that, did he come and say, oh my goodness, why did I make it like that? Let me let sin come in and and put marriage where it needs to be. No, sin never put marriage where it needs to be. Sin took it from where God intended it to be where it should be. Anything less, for us to settle for anything less, is less than God intends for you and I to experience in our homes. And that's the naked truth today. We know Satan's plan, his ploy, is to divide, is to destroy, is to disrupt God's perfect plan and intimacy is a major struggle today for many couples in their marriages. Perhaps it's trust that's been broken. You know, trust is something that takes time to build and only seconds to destroy. 
So there's perhaps a trust issue that's taken place. Hurts and pains, maybe of the past. But you know what? We will never get beyond those pains if we keep picking up the scabs. We've got to let that healing take place that trust can be built and trust can be developed. Another important truth of intimacy is friendship. It's being friends. Look at this statement. This not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages. Marriage or happy marriages are based on a deep friendship. I've got to tell you today, Kelly is my best friend. I've got to tell you today, I love spending time with my wife. We love spending time together. Our day that we look forward to every week is Monday. Monday's my day off. Monday, we try to spend all the day together. A lot of times we're running errands, we're going to the store, but you know what? We're doing it together. Last week, Kelly said to me like Thursday or Friday, she says, oh, I'm so upset. And I said, babes, what are you upset about? She said, I'm so upset the kids are off school Monday and Tuesday and we just can't spend the day together. It wasn't that she wasn't excited about the kids being home. It was the fact that she missed that friendship time where we could just hang out and be together without the distractions so many times of life, but just to hang out. You know, they did a study about friendship when it comes to marriages. Because if you were to ask many people, they would tell you they're in love, but they don't really like each other. Hello? We're in love, but we're not friends. Come on, we've got to get that friendship back. You know they did a study, and here's what they concluded from the study. Friendship in marriage accounted for 70% of overall marriage satisfaction. 70% of marriage satisfaction was based on the level of friendship that that couple shared with each other. Emotional intimacy, which we've labeled as empathy, is five times more important than physical intimacy. Having a friendship. Listen to what I read this week. It says, of course, your level of emotional intimacy has a lot to do with your physical intimacy. So in a sense, if trading places can boost the quality of your friendship, that means it will, by default, ignite your love life too. Isn't that a great thought? You see, the empathy stuff that we talked about last week, it works. If you missed last Sunday, you need to play catch up real quick. You need to grab a CD. There's more available. You need to go online on our website under our media page. And you need to listen to the podcasts that we've got up there. Because listen, if you want a happily ever after, one that's not just for fairy tales, you've got to work for that. You've got to put in the effort. You've got to put in the work. It doesn't just happen. But when two people begin to commit to whatever it takes, and it starts with you, thank you, someone was listening last week. It starts with you, well I'll start when they start. What if they don't start? No one starts. You do not what they deserve, but what they need. Remember that key thought. 
You may say, well, I'm doing that and they're not doing it. I'm telling you right now, one will break the cycle. You keep doing what you need to do and trust God that he'll take care of the rest. God wants trust. God wants friendship resulting in intimacy for, to be for every married couple. But you know what we're going to look at today? We're going to look at three determined enemies. You know there's enemies out there that wants to destroy the intimacy of your home. We're going to look at three determined enemies that we must confront and we must overcome. Why? Because look at the next part of the story that we read of, of Adam and Eve after they have sinned. Notice their standpoint. Notice their opinions. Notice how they feel now in Genesis 3 verse 9 and 10. And it says, Then God called to Adam and said to him, Adam, where are you? And Adam replied to God and he said these words, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. Why? Because I was naked and therefore I hid myself. Remember Genesis 2.25, they were naked and they were not ashamed. But now they see their nakedness as a problem, something that they are hiding from God. Now they are shamed instead of unashamed. Let's have a quick look, if we could, at the Hebrew word for shame. It's bullish. And it means this to be ashamed, to be disappointed, to become dry. As you look at that word, I wonder what it could be in our lives that will lead us to disappointment and shame. I wonder what it is that will dry up our love, our security and our intimacy in our homes that will cause us to flee from true vulnerability. Here's the enemy number one. Are you ready? Enemy number one is sin. It's sin. And it's probably the greatest enemy that we will face when it comes to a level of intimacy in our lives. Sin will destroy any relationship. Sin is a separating factor. The Bible tells us that, that God cannot look upon sin. He cannot have fellowship or communion with sin. It's a separating, it's a wall-building divide between two people. If you want to destroy any relationship, then sin. Whether it's a lie whether it's talking bad about someone, becoming arrogant, prideful, selfish, to nag, to belittle, to put your own needs first, which are all sins, incidentally. Watch as that relationship takes a nosedive in a real hurry. And the same is true with our relationship with God. Sin will lead to hurt, brokenness and shame. I want to give you a principle today. Are you ready? You need to write this down. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. And where intimacy lives, sin dies. You say that one more time. Where sin lives, intimacy dies. And where intimacy lives, sin dies. I want to explain that to you looking at your relationship with God. 
If you and I make a willful decision and choice to live in a life of sin against God and not repent, guess what begins to happen? We lose our closeness with God. That true closeness that we had from the one who loves us so much. God loves us more than anything else. But guess what? Because of that sin, we will distance ourselves from that incredible love. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. I love this. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. An incredible love that God has for every one of us. And here's the question we ask. Where's God gone? Where are you, God? I used to feel you, God, but now I don't feel you any longer. Isn't it amazing how we ask the question, where's God, implying that he's gone somewhere. God hasn't gone anywhere. God's in the same place he has always been. But here's the real question. Where am I? Where has sin taken me? Then there's the flip side of that thought. And here's the other side. When you choose to draw close to God, when you choose to pursue Him, when you choose to pray and read and study and be in church and want to serve in the house, I'm telling you, watch as your desires for sin begin to diminish in your life. There's always going to be temptations, don't get me wrong. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you, sect is common to man. There's always going to be temptations that we're all going to be faced with. The ability to choose wrong is going to be there every day. But the closer you are in relationship with God, the further you want to run from the sin that's around you. So where sin lives... Relationship and intimacy dies. But guess what? Where sin dies and there's a desire for a closeness, intimacy will grow, will grow. And you know, here's the beauty about intimacy. Here's the naked truth about it. You don't have to be perfect to obtain it. You may be messed up. You've maybe screwed up really bad. But I want to tell you today that God wants to make you perfect in Him. If perfection was the standard, none of us would qualify. None of us would even come close. We would be so far away from where God wants us to be. But God wants to perfect your life. God wants every day to make you more and more in His image. In the book of Proverbs, He uses the example or the illustration of someone who is a silversmith that takes silver and puts it in a pot and puts it on a fire. And as the fire heats up, the impurities begin to come to the surface. And the silversmith, he scoops the impurities off. And you know how they say when they know that that material is pure? When the person can see his image looking back. God wants to scoop off those things. For what reason? So he can be seen 
in our relationships, in our homes, in our actions, in our lives, that He would be seen. We are all a work of progress. We're a work in progress. But little by little, as we grow, we can become more like Him. And when in relationship the two of us begin to strive for that same goal, it's going to cause you to drop the guard. Have you ever seen a boxer? What's a boxer taught to do? A boxer's taught to keep up that guard. You've got to keep up that guard. Why? You drop that guard. Boom! A blow can come in and knock you to the canvas as quick as that. So you've got to keep up that guard and keep up that guard. I want to tell you right now, in your relationship, you're not in a fight with your spouse. You're not a couple of boxers in the ring. In the relationships that you are, it's not a fight and it shouldn't be a fight. But it's time that we drop the guard. Why? Because when we keep the guard up, it may stop the bad from coming through. But it's also going to stop the good. It's going to stop that which is pure, that which is lovely, that which is right. So instead of looking and saying, we're in a fight and we're struggling for who's going to have the upper hand and who's going to have this. Instead of saying that, you know what we need to do? We need to begin to invite each other into our lives. Because where sin is dying, transparency, vulnerability... And intimacy emerge naturally. Vulnerability. What do you mean by that? One of the greatest definitions I've heard of unconditional love is you give someone access to hurt you. That you open up your life so much that you become completely vulnerable at their mercy because you begin to trust them with your heart and your life. It just happens. When sin dies, those things begin to take place naturally. That's why God wants us to be open and naked with each other, not hiding in our sin. And while God wants that for your home, Satan wants your marriage to be filled with dirt, hurt, walls up, hiding in the shadows of your sin. May I remind you today of John 10 verse 10. I love this passage. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill and destroy. The mission of Satan is to steal, kill and destroy your life, your marriage, the intimacy, empathy, whatever It takes to be what God wants you to be. That's his mission. But may I remind you today of the assignment of God. But I have come. That you may have life and life abundantly. The mission of sin is to destroy. The assignment of God is to restore. The mission of Satan is to cause you to be at odds against each other and believe it will never be any other way. But the assignment of God is to let you know it's time to get naked and unashamed. That's why we've got to shut the door. We've got to shut the door. Because Adam and Eve opened the door to sin. They were once unashamed, unshamed, shameless. 
But now they hear the voice of God, the voice they loved to hear. They look forward to every day hearing God come. And they could talk with God and hang out with God. But now the voice they used to love so much, they fear and they hide from. Why? As a result of sin. Perhaps that's a picture in our homes. That now we hide instead of being fully exposed. We've got to do everything to shut the door, to keep the enemy out of our relationship. There's hope in God, even if one or the other have both blown it big time in our relationship. I want to tell you today, where sin dies, intimacy can thrive. Now, it's not easy, but nothing's impossible through God. But when it comes to sin, I want you to also note this. Don't fall victim to the thought, well, I can get away with sin. And it won't affect anything. After all, what I'm doing is not really that bad. Perhaps you could even justify the thought that me and my spouse, we're we're in the sin together. They know, they're aware of it, maybe participating together. But can I remind you today of Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Oh, but they know, but you're still sowing The wrong seeds. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Do not be deceived. Sin costs, and it's a price more than you can afford to pay, and it will take you further than you intend to go. And if you don't believe that, try this one. Numbers 32 verse 23 says, Be sure your sin will, what? Find you out. And you have thought that was just something your mum taught you. That's God's word. Be sure your sin will find you out. If you've got time, talk to David. What do I mean by that? Begin to read the story of David. Thought he got away with it. Thought he covered the sin. He killed Uriah. He got rid of all the obstacles and everything. But one day the man of God says, hey, you are the man. Don't think you're higher and greater than sin. Enemy number one is sin. It will destroy the level of intimacy in your home. Enemy number two, secrets. Secrets. Secrets are related to sin, yet they are still different. Let me say it this way. Sin is the root problem. Secrets are the layers of unhealthy self-defense that we have used to attempt to hide it. Let me say that again. Sin is the root problem. But secrets are the layers of unhealthy self-defense that we use to attempt to hide it. You know what we've told ourselves? Secrets make me safe. If I keep this secret, then I'm safe. If no one knows about it, then everything's going to be fine. But the way you live, you will have to admit really today if you are truthful that that is not the case. Because secrets create extreme vulnerability inside of us. Why? Because we're always having to look over our shoulder just in case we get found. 
We're always carrying that guilt in our hearts. So when we're with that one we love, it's like there's a wall there because there's a part of us that we haven't released, that we haven't given. And therefore our vulnerability is not the vulnerability that we should have in giving everything and being intimate, intimate with each other. But rather it's hiding. It's been the fear of being exposed. I'm telling you. Those sins will surface eventually. And they'll begin to destroy real intimacy way before they surface. Because it will be affecting you in your life. Sin and secrets must be exposed. We've got to deal with them. We've got to give them to God. That's the first place that we've got to start. We've got to ask God. We've got to come clean with God and say, God, I'm doing this. God, I've got this in my life. God, you've got to forgive me. Would you come into my heart and change me? But then we've got to be prepared, perhaps with our spouse, to also come clean and be honest with each other so that intimacy can begin to grow. There's a saying out there, isn't there, that a problem shared is a problem halved. That when you share a problem with someone else, it halves the problem. Why? Because it opens up freedom and it brings release to your life. Have you ever said something to someone that you've kept for a secret and all of a sudden you just went, ah. You were so worried about sharing it, but the moment you just let it go, the release that you felt, was just undeniable. Free from that guilt, free from that worry, free from that stress, which are all inhibitors to intimacy. All opposed to closeness or the oneness that God intends us to have in our homes. Are you still with me today? Enemy number three. Silence. Sin, secrets and silence. Remember when you were kids that you would play the quiet game? When you were a kid, you thought that was an absolute blast. Whoever kept quiet the longest won the game. But now as an adult, you really realize that all your parents were trying to do was just shut you up. As a kid, it was a game, but now you realize what the stakes were. Mum and dad just needed a rest. They needed a few moments of silence in the car. In our relationships, ineffective communication is not a problem. Notice what I said, ineffective communication is not a problem. It's effective communication that's the problem. I have a lot of couples that come to me and say, we just can't communicate. No, you do a good job communicating, you're just communicating in the wrong way. All that shouting, fussing and screaming and hollering and bickering, that's communication, but that's ineffective It's not a case that you can't communicate, it's just you're communicating wrong. We've just got to make it meaningful and effective and that's where we've got to work at. When a marriage relationship doesn't have communication, it results in emotional distance which equals no intimacy. And it's amazing how many times I've heard people say to me as I've counseled with couples, you know what, we just don't seem to be able to communicate, so you know what we do? We just don't. We just don't talk. And what's that going to solve? I mean, what really is that going to solve? Well, we'll just have peace in our home. No, you won't. 
There's no peace in a home if two people aren't communicating. You may think that's peace, but it's not peace. It's a barrier that's been put up against you. It's not going to solve anyone. You'll never learn to communicate properly if you don't try it and do it. And without it, there is little or no hope for your marriage and for your future together. You know what we've got to do sometimes? We've got to get the male and the female dictionary translator out sometimes. How many knows men speak a different language from women? Guys, help me out here and don't leave me hanging. How many guys know that women speak a different language at times from us? But you know what? We've got to take the time to empathize with each other and begin to ask the question. Help me understand. Help me understand what you're saying. Help me understand what you're thinking. And we cannot be afraid to ask that question because on the other end of that question is the beginning of a new level of intimacy for our homes and our future together. You've got to realize that. And I'm telling you right now, I'm just going to throw an infomercial out there. I don't know why everyone in this church has not signed up for our weekend of enchantment next week. I'm telling you, you need to be here. There's only so much we can cover, but over this weekend, you're going to hear so much incredible, life-changing stuff. And if you say, my spouse won't come, well, you come on your own, because you can take it back to your house, and you can break the cycle. $10 is the greatest investment for your whole life. If you were able just to put $10 in the stock market and have your financial problems being taken care of for the rest of your lives, how many of you would realize you would be a fool if you missed that opportunity. A $10 investment can change your marriage forever. That's how strongly I believe about this subject and what we're teaching and what we're ministering. Why? Because it works. Infomercial over. Think about this. If you were to go to most dating couples and you were to ask them, What's your greatest strength? Most of them would reply, the fact that we can talk for hours and hours and hours. Remember when you were dating? I remember when Kelly and I were dating. I remember what it was like to be up till four and five in the morning from nine o'clock the night before and still be on the phone. Hello? I remember what it was leaving here at night from work, driving over to where she lived, staying there for a couple of hours, leaving to drive home. Because I'm telling you this right now, we saved ourselves till we got married. But I remember what it was driving home about 11 o'clock at night, been working all day and her on the other side of the phone, keeping me awake while I was driving home. And can you hold on? I'm just getting in the house and you put the phone down and you unlock, you let the dog go. Hey, you still there? Okay, well, I'm just going into the fridge right now. I'm just getting a drink. Hold on. Come on. Anyone remember those days? And every second of every moment, you know, like when you're at work and you just like walk into the restroom and you've got like 30 seconds till you get to the restroom. Hey, how you doing? You're doing good. Just going to the toilet. Can't talk long. I just want to say, hey, how you doing? Okay, I'll talk to you. Bye. And then two minutes later, hey, just been to the toilet, just back to my desk. What's going on? You see, the desire is you want to communicate with each other. But isn't it really funny that you would sit down 
and ask most married couples what the major thing they need to work on in their marriage. And most would say communication. Communication. They have a hard time talking. Kind of crazy, huh? What changed? But here's why when dating, conversation becomes a priority. You work hard to be together, to get the time to talk. And you talk about meaningless stuff. Wow, the grass looks green today. Wow, the sun is really bright today. Silly and meaningless stuff, but it's important to you and you share it with each other. And guess what? It builds intimacy in your relationship. You get to know each other. So what we think is when we get married, we've got the same address. We live together, which must equal quality and quantity time with each other. And our survey says, ah, ah. We convince ourselves that's going to naturally happen, but wrong. In fact, the opposite tends to take place. Life happens and our conversations get drowned out by louder And other distractions. Instead of prioritizing our time, can you hold on a second? There's something on the TV I want to see. Can you hold on a second as the kids are screaming and hollering? There's many nights that Kelly and I take two hours to tell a story that could take two minutes. Why? Because you start the story and then something happens and homework, a phone call. Come on, the dog runs away and you're searching around the neighborhood and you're doing all this. And then you come back to the story and then something else happens. And finally, it can take hours to finish a two-minute conversation. Look at this statement. Just like without oxygen, you can't breathe. A couple without communication cannot thrive. You need to realize how important communication is into your marriage, into your home. Why? Because waning conversation punctures our love tank and intimacy slowly or quickly will leak out. Philip, help us. What's happened? Why is this going on? You know what? I don't have all the answers, but quickly, I want to give you two helps. Can I give you two helps today? Help number one, practice until you're good. I heard a comedian say this. Comedian said, I was told as a child, practice makes perfect. But then I learned at school that no one's perfect, so I just gave up practicing. Isn't that the story of our lives? So many times we give up. Remember, communication is more than words. Communication is more than words. It includes, and it is not limited to, but it includes our actions. Our tones, our facial expressions, our body language, the ability to listen and even looking at each other. Because we'll discover next weekend a lady wants FaceTime. She wants you to look at her when she's talking to you. You see, communication is more than just words. In fact, probably the greatest part of communication is not words. But it's what we do as a result to that which is being communicated around us. You and I have got to start practicing those things. We've got to start practicing to nod and to reply and and to interject in the conversations. Wow, how did that make you? Wow, I'm sorry. Wow, tell me about that. What? I mean, you've got to begin to do that. Why? Because you begin to communicate with each other. 
And as you begin to communicate, especially guys, if you begin to let your wife know that what she says and what she feels, and women like to spider web. You know what spider webbing is? Well, I was driving the kids to the school today. Oh, man, I forgot the laundry. I meant to get that. And while I was at the grocery store, I saw this lady and she said to me, but you know what? Then I, I had to do this. And spider webbing is going every which way. Lady likes to spider web. Guys, you're like, what? So you went to school? No, I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm talking about, okay. But you know what? When you take time to make the effort, intimacy, intimacy, the tank will begin to fill up. If you don't practice what little intimacy you maybe had, it will completely dry up and be gone. You've got to practice until you're good. Practice, 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 practice. One of the things they still say of Michael Jordan, arguably one of the greatest basketball players, I think he's the greatest basketball player ever. But you know what they'll say about him? He was the first to practice and he was the last to leave. Why was he so good? Because he put in the work. Why is your marriage going to be so great, the relationships you have, because you're putting in the work? I've got to quit. Are you ready? Last help. Number two, face your fears. For many, communication is challenging because you fear vulnerability. Because you've been hurt in the past, you've been wounded. We talked about that last week, the personalizer. Maybe you're Rapunzel, remember? But it's hurts at times that make us so cautious that we just don't go there. But you and I have got to start trusting God and your spouse and you've got to go there. Listen to me, you've got to go there. Because there's no shortcuts to great communication. And those things that tended to come naturally before marriage are often the things that require the most dedication within it. You've got to work at it. Practice till you're good at it. Face your fears. And I'm going to close by talking to all the single people out there. If you're struggling to find a sustained, healthy closeness in relationships now, It's not likely to come easy when you're married. It begins now with you dealing with the sin and the secrets and the silence in your life. Don't let them become a part of who you are. Don't let them shape you. We've got a handout that we said that we want to give with the benefits of empathy. On the back, we've got suggestions to help you if you're single in your relationships so you can eliminate those things so you can begin to prepare yourself for what God has. But remember this, God didn't create you to live inside a safe, comfortable, sterile shell. He created you for authentic, growing closeness with others, especially with your family of God. Begin by having an intimate relationship with God. And as you get to know God, guess what? Let him introduce you to your number two. Let him help you overcome each enemy of intimacy, the secrets, the silence and the sin. And one scripture, 1 John 4 verse 18. There is therefore no fear. It's the wrong scripture, I'm so sorry. 18, I meant it to be, I'm sorry Tammy. There is no fear in love, for perfect love drives out all fear. There is no fear in love. 1 John 4, 18. You know what true love is? God. And as God begins to work inside your life, you will realize that God is an unbeatable ally of intimacy. He is an 
unbeatable ally of intimacy in any relationship, especially in the marriage of your dreams. And God is longing to show you how to live in that love. God is longing for you and I to have the naked truth, to live once again with no shame. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Empathy, intimacy. Empathy, taking time to feel, to know. Intimacy, opening up your life so that there can be a closeness that's built and developed inside of us. I'm telling you, these are principles. These work and they'll change your home. You've got to deal with the shame, the sin, the secrets, and the silence. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.